Hey, welcome in. Welcome in. It's Kyle, as always, here with the Oh No Disc Golf Podcast, episode 30. Our podcast is turning 30. Incredible. Bringing entertainment to all of the earballs across the United States, Egypt. And guess who's our number two listener now besides the United States? India. Shout out, India. I'm joined, as always, with my best friend in the entire world, Mr. Eric Wolverton. Eric, what's your random tangent today? Take a bunch of Meyer or Walmart bags and just put them in your cart or bag. They have so many uses. If you're headed out for a morning round and you don't have your waterproof shoes on, you can put them in your boots to keep your feet warm or dry. You can pick up trash with them. You can put your birdie bags or um, whale sacks or whatever, your dry dry sacks, whatever they're specifically called, in them to keep them dry in case it ever rains. You can take a few of them and put them over your like most used discs in case you don't have a rain fly and keep your disc dry in case it rains. But they're so nice to just keep five to ten in your bag with you at all times. I dig it. I carry around a bunch of poop bags that basically does the same thing. That's what gave me the idea. But the the Meyer bags are just a little bit bigger. That is true. And then it's upcycling, you know? Like, right. You I don't are, know what are. else I'm supposed to do with all these bags. True. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. So shout out to Kyle for the idea, and then I just refined it. Right. Also, pick up your trash, please. Yes. I'll say it again. The world is not your ashtray. Put your cigarette butts into the trash. Or your pocket until you see a fucking trash. So this morning, I found a Meyer bag filled to the brim with trash just left out in the course. They tried. I, I don't know if they tried or if they just left it. Because it's, oh, right, so like, it's like right by the back parking lot to the course. So, so they just dumped their trash there. That's all I can think of. That's almost worse. Yeah, so I... I feel like that one's not disc golfers, so I'm hoping it's not yeah, disc that's golfers. That's true. I don't know. Anyway, just please pick up your trash. I don't know how that random tangent turned into a pick up your trash PSA, but it's always a pick up your trash PSA. Somehow they do, yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, people. Let's not be fucking disgusting here. Mm-hmm. If <laughs> if you can't get enough of that wonderfully positive attitude. On the podcast, you can check out our wonderfully positive attitude over on our social medias. You can get links to it, all of these over on our link tree. But we have a Facebook, a TikTok, a Twitter, an Instagram, a YouTube, and a Patreon. We also have a merch store. You can use the code OHNO to get free shipping over there. That's at teespring.com backslash stores backslash golf. We made all that merch, and it would support us a lot if you'd head over there and use code Ono. Also, we're affiliated with StarFrameDiscs.com. That's StarFrameDiscs.com. You can also use code Ono to get 5% off over there. Before we get into what we are talking about today, I just want to give Kyle a round of applause for that wonderful transition. He flipped it so beautifully. And I'm not being sarcastic. Uh, this sounded really sarcastic. <laughs> it's not. It was real. It's genuine, I promise. But 
what we have in store for you today. We are going to talk a little bit about the Grow the Sport versus Slow the Sport movement and just the future and state of the disc golf world we're in right now. We are going to talk probably a lot about Idlewild because there's a lot to talk about. And for our top five, we did the top five fairway drivers or our top five fairway drivers, our favorites. So I spend a lot of time on Facebook, on disc golf pages, kind of just reading sometimes, you know, part of the conversation, but there's a decent chunk of people that are tired of the grow the sport movement because they think we are growing and we are, we're growing so fast that we're letting in quote unquote, letting in people who don't fit the general persona of a disc golfer. And I think it's wrong to kind of think that way. I don't think it's up to us to decide who can and who can't disc golf and who should be allowed and shouldn't be allowed to disc golf. All we can do as a group is teach them the etiquette and do our best to show them the way of being a fun, friendly disc golfer. If they follow those, then that's on them. The best way to do this, too, is to lead by example. So by being a nice, friendly disc golfer, you are also teaching people to be friendly, nice disc golfers. So positivity breeds positivity. Yep. Yeah, because... But I'm all about this growth of the sport overall. I don't really see a negative in any population joining disc golf, even the assholes. Yeah. Because the assholes will, like, they'll they'll join it, but they'll probably not stay for very long. The people that are, you know, we need... We need every every demographic playing disc golf for it to be uh, really accepted as a major sport. So Yeah. So, yeah, that's my kind of thing is the people who, yeah, like Kyle said, are the assholes. They will kind of see that people don't want to spend that much time around them because they're not enjoyable to play around with. They're not enjoyable to, like, get a hold of, to go play go play or go do this with them and they will kind of be pushed out on their own we don't need to slow the growth of the sport true story i say the only downfall is is stock in plastic but the companies are growing and doing a better job every day of putting out consistent beautiful looking plastic the only thing there was like, you know, it grew so quickly and unexpectedly, like nobody was expecting the pandemic to happen and nobody yeah. expected the pandemic to like double the sport in a matter of six months. So yeah. unexpected was, I think, the word for the population growth. Yeah. So if you're out there and you see people that you don't necessarily enjoy, just try to put on a smiling face and... Be the positive person. Be the bigger person and just enjoy your round and maybe they'll learn something from you. Yeah, they could see you smiling and having fun doing a completely opposite thing that they're doing and maybe they'll change their ways. And it's and, not on you to like want somebody to be in the sport or not. You know, it's it's really not our decision. So 
And if you're one of those people who swears at every missed putt, think about changing your ways. Yeah, maybe say, oh, no. Yep. (laughs) It's okay to get frustrated, but it's a little much when it's every putt or every Every, time you hit a tree or every time. Like, it's going to happen. It's the nature of the sport. You're not going to hit that gap every single time. The thing that I've been doing lately when I've been going, like, you know, 100% all systems go, I'm, like, trying to go make that putt. I'll clap just one time if I miss. Yeah, yeah, that's my I, big I've, thing. I've been, allowing, I've been allowing myself that. Slapping my hands together like, dang it. Yeah. Yeah, just, just one, one clap, like, oh, and then I immediately try and move past it. Yeah. Also, just something that I've noticed is when you're really down on yourself, when you're kind of one of the better players or a decent player, the people who are just beginning see you complaining about the way you're playing that they feel like they don't have any business playing like in a group and they should just go and hide by themselves. And that's right, not the way it should. Their good shots are still worse than your bad shots that you're complaining about. Yeah, That's going to make them feel bad. So try to grow the sport, but in a positive way. Be that beacon of light at your course. I'll say it one more time. Positivity breeds positivity. High five to that. (laughs) But I think the future of disc golf is bright. Yeah, I think we are going to continue to grow pretty exponentially like we have pretty much since the beginning of, of the sport. Maybe not as crazy it has been over the past two years, but... It is constantly moving up and up and being recognized more and more here and there. Pros are making more money. More companies are invested in in disc golf than ever before. Even just like advertising for the disc golf network. Like mm-hmm. the guy. at the beginning of the season, even this season, it was like only Paige Pierce, Macbeth, and Double G Jerky, and then Kelvin Heiberg, you know, ads. That was it. Calvin Heimberg ads. Right. Those were the only ad times that were bought was mm-hmm. by disc golf stuff. So now I think it's going to be like the CBD brand is like getting a big thing. It's There's going to be a whole bunch of new sponsors coming into town. Yeah, it's cool because they have, have like those little highlight things, you know. They got like the upper part play different, you know, reels whenever someone, you know, Kevin Jones throws a grenade shot. Uh, they got the Hempfield Recovery, which kind of highlights those shots that maybe people don't pay as much attention to. You know that it's just it's just like an upshot, but it's from a horrible spot or or anything like that. And then uh, what well, they got the Sunstein is like a mm-hmm. patent company, and they do they do uh, like a highlight, like nobody else throws this shot, but it works for him, kind of thing. So right, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool to see all that. And eventually it'll be Pepsi, you know, <laughs> like, yep. and it'll be millions of dollars versus thousands. So we'll, we'll see. I, I see a lot of future growth. Yeah. Which kind of brings us into the next little thing we want to talk about. This is a couple of weeks ago, but watching some of the extra stuff from the Preserve Kale LaVisca's course has really got me thinking once disc golfers are starting to make more and more money they'll be able to kind of fund their own course like Kayla Visca. And 
I don't think it's crazy to say that in like six to ten years, at least like five of the courses on on the tour will be like, you know, they'll go to like Eagles course or they'll go to Paul McBeth's course or they'll go to like all these courses that were built by another disc golfer and it'll be like their property. And I think that's going to be really cool to see because we'll see a bunch of courses literally created for disc golf. In the same way like Eagles Crossing was? Um, maybe not as good as that for a while, depending on, on how much money these pros are making. But a lot like that. Yeah, like... I feel like Paul McBeth is going to get some inspiration from that course and take it back home. Yeah, well, he already has that sweet course. It's not really, like, his property, but he created a, a really sweet, hard course. It's one of the highest pars, like, course pars out there, which I, I hope to see. I hope we see on tour sometime, but we will see. I think who would create probably one of the coolest courses is Nate Sexton. I want to see a Nate Sexton design course. So bad. That'd be cool. It'd just be forehand hole after forehand hole. I don't think he'd even do that. Like, I feel like... I'm just kidding. He's smart enough and, like, experienced enough that he would bring a couple people with him to help design each hole. So he's not just creating it so it's easy for him. And he likes a challenge... He'd take, like, Kale LaVisca and Eric McCabe with him. Yeah. Oh, hey, shout out Eric McCabe for, he commented a fire sign on your Instagram post. Yeah, he's a good guy. I'd like to meet him one day and have him sign all my Emacs. Every one of them. Every single one. Just, just wait. Just, just wait here. I got a few more in the car. Like, one more, please. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I know Eric McCabe's designed a bunch of courses all across, all across the United States. Avery Jenkins has too. But I think we will just start to see more personal properties, more like the Kale Laviska's going out and buying a disc golf or a golf course and transferring it into a disc golf course. And I think that's going to be probably one of the coolest things to happen for for disc golf. I would dig it. I think it that's just setting up a lot of passion projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's when you get the best best courses. Yeah, that's when you get like the best end result is when it's all about your passion. Talking about passion, next we are talking about a pretty awesome course that had a lot of passion on it. Idlewild. Yeah. I even came up with this funny pun for it. Michigan really put the wild in Idlewild. Eh, I don't know if it's a pun, but... Eh, I mean, <laughs> if you already know the result, I guess. Yep. But otherwise, that would just be wildly confusing because people would be thinking that you're talking that Idlewild is in Michigan. No. Well, I feel like most people who listen to our podcast probably have seen the result by... Definitely, maybe. Now. <laughs> I think Idlewild is both mine and Kyle's. Not our favorite, but one of our favorites on tour. True. It's definitely in like my top three, especially after watching it again. Partially because it's not that like far away from me. Like I could take a road trip to go play it. It would take what a little six, bit. Six, seven hours away from you? Yeah, I'd say probably about six. Although driving through Ohio feels like six itself. So True. Who knows? But... The main reason why I like it is, like, each hole, and Paul 
Uliberry has said it on all the Jomez coverage, but each hole is almost birdieable. Like each hole you can score on doesn't mean you're going to, but you can. So there's those huge chances for like a, you know, 12, 14 under, but even just getting a nine under on it is, is good. Like it's, it's a good score. Yeah. It's, it's some crazy combination of skill and luck. Yep. Like you have to either be all of your skill on display or like 90% skill, 10% luck. Like you, I don't know. It's, if you're a half inch off, you could be looking at a triple bogey, you know? Yep. And they say all the time, it's sometimes it's better to be a foot off than a half inch off. It's definitely a course where that rings true. But yeah, like I feel like it is not, would not be crazy. I mean, it would be crazy, but plausible to see like an 18 down. Because all you have to do is hit each line and you're set up for a, you know, a decent neck shot or a decent putt or a decent eagle. You know, there's... And there's three eagle opportunities right? yeah three like decent eagle opportunities and there's a decent amount of holes that can be aced if you hit the line just perfectly so it's not like crazy it is crazy but it's not it's if super we've crazy seen an 18 down because hitting that many lines in the same day in a row. would be insane with the amount of ob that's just like scattered and it's mm-hmm. It's a crazy course. It was a lot of fun to watch. There's even like a lot of the holes on there that I could go out and birdie. I probably wouldn't, but I could go out and birdie, whereas... But you could. Yeah, whereas like there's other, you know, courses and holes on tour that I would tap in like a double bogey, and I'd be happy with that because that's the best I could do. Yeah, yeah, like any of those big like giant holes. Right, there's no way that... So... It's just, it's such a cool course and it keeps, it keeps just like you biting your nails, waiting for the ending right up into hole 18 almost every time. And that's exactly what happened again. Yep. Yes, it did. It was probably one of the craziest finishes to a disc golf pro tour event I've ever seen so far. I would, I would say out of all the ones I've seen, and even they are saying it on, live coverage that there's never been anything quite this close with everybody but i'll just say it so we could talk about it more yeah if you haven't seen it yet go check it out on jomez or on gk pro gatekeeper media the final day was broadcasted live on youtube so you can go back and watch the whole final day on uh, the disc golf network's youtube channel and it's live dramatic it's actually really fun to watch it in that way so yeah, live is is the best. Is the best way. Yeah, you really. I I I mean, I don't mind. I like uh, post recorded, but like, it's just a different feeling. Yeah, I still go back and watch post post produced. Yeah, don't don't get me don't get me wrong. I I still watch post coverage too, just to check out the cards that you didn't see. But nope, I still watch lead card again. I'm like, yeah, I want to watch this again. This was so much fun. I not even not even. That's true. I might I might watch Idlewild one more time. Um, so finishing out the MPO field, we had a four-way tie for third with Kevin Jones, Calvin Heinberg, Drew Gibson, and Joel Freeman all finishing at 24 under. That's crazy, but just wait, because we had Andrew Marweed and Kyle Klein 
tie at first at 25 under. So literally one point, one stroke kept us away from seeing a six-way tie for the top and a six-way playoff. And it came down to two insane upshots from both Kyle Klein and Andrew. Chef's kiss, perfect upshots. I saw Kyle do his, and I was like, oh, that puts so much pressure on Andrew. Like, yes, to do it perfectly, puts it even closer. Yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh, like balls of steel on these guys. Mm -hmm. I was really hoping Kevin was going to make the putt at the end. I really, I really wanted Kevin to get a piece, and I really wanted Kyle Klein to get a piece. I mean, I would have been happy seeing Marweed too. Don't get me wrong, but I was really actually hoping they would flub their upshots and take pars so that there would be the six-way playoff. I thought that would have been, yeah, yeah, epic. That was like my first first want. But then when I seen him park it, I was like, oh well. Hopefully, at least yeah, Kevin makes right. the putt. <laughs> yeah. He put it. He had all the effort on it. Just hit the tree. Yep. Yeah. I personally, I was like saying it to myself, and I know it's not. I'm not a pro, so it's not my decision. But I feel like he would have had a better chance going from the knee. Yeah, but he's jump butt Jones. Yeah, I know. He's got to do with what he's comfortable with, and that's right. fine. And who knows? He thought he it, had the. He, yeah. He thought he had enough ceiling. Yeah, wouldn't have been the same result, but yep. And I'd rather see him put it high like that than to miss low. Mm-hmm. At least he had the effort into it. I don't yeah. know. No, I'm, I'm I'm just sad he missed it. I just the entire I was saying the I entire time I was watching it, I was like, just go from the knee, go from the knee, just just shoot right. from the knee. <laughs> he thought about it too. I don't know. Yeah, but he had a really rough tournament though to to come out as amazing as he did to like to finish. Good on him. Yeah, I I know he's still kind of talked about as one of those people being at the tops, but I feel like in a couple of years, we will see him kind of battling it out for, I mean, and we have this year, we've seen him on so many league cards, final days, and he just can't, can't connect. But I think in a couple of years, he'll be one of those people kind of first or second or, you know, at the very least, like third for a while, because he's... He's always right there, and it's always usually some bad spit-outs or a bad roll-away that kind of, like, puts him down for a little bit, but he usually still finds a way to come back and complete the next hole. Shout-out to the amazing performance by Kyle Klein. Yes. Coming back from his uh, disappointing ending to Ledgestone. It's nice to have him immediately bounce back and take his first ever Elite Series win. Freaking 19-year-old or something. So this series won a Silver Series and an Elite Series. And the sky is the limit for Kyle Klein. Oh, yeah. And he wasn't wearing one of Eagles jerseys, so time to get some Kyle Klein jerseys. True story. He needs them. Yep. Yeah, Eagle finished 12th. Something like that. Sounds right. Good job, Heimberg, fighting from the chase card all the way up to almost the lead. That was sick. Same thing with Drew Gibson. Drew Gibson was on chase card? I thought he was on, like, card three. He might have been on card three. I thought he was on chase card. Colt, Joel Freeman was way back there, too. Yeah, Joel Freeman was... I thought thought they were both on chase card. Well, Drew Gibson moved up nine spots to get to third, so he is 12th. And oh, shout Freeman out, shout out, up. Drew! 
12 under round today or yeah. uh, the last day. That was sick. Got me a point in five rounds. Thanks, bud. Macbeth had a three-stroke lead going into the final day. I know. It was McBad. Well, what was that? <laughs> Who was he? I don't know. He was playing disc golf like me. I have I have this theory that Paul Macbeth knows that the more exciting rounds are, the more money he's going to make in the future. Like, everyone else is playing checkers, and Macbeth's playing chess. I know it's just fake because he's really competitive and wants to win, but that's what I tell myself when Paul Macbeth plays bad. Yeah, it was the most crazy thing I've, besides almost seeing a six-person playoff. Yeah. If you would have, oh my gosh, can you imagine the money you would have won? If you bet if you would have bet. Uh, yeah, I bet on Macbeth lose. losing. Yep. That's, can you imagine the money you would have won if you bet on Paul Macbeth losing Worlds after on the final day? Yeah. I mean, it's just mind-blowing stuff. Apparently, Paul Macbeth has a nickname. It's McChoke. So maybe that's part of it. Sorry, Macbeth. It's just something yeah, I heard. He doesn't, I don't he believe doesn't have in any, it. Other, any other nicknames. I don't believe in it. Well, how could you? Five time. <laughs> Let's jump into the FPO. Wasn't as high of a scoring round as it was last year for the FPO side of things, but it was still pretty exciting. A lot of up and down. No real like large runaway winner. Yeah, there was like a what three way tie going into the final round. Yep, three way tie going into the final round. Even like the first day, Paige Pierce jumped out with like a big lead, um, right at the beginning, and then kind of dropped right back to, to being you know middle of the not middle of the pack, but with everybody kind of jockeying for position. Idlewild is one of those courses that you just can't run away with a lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Idlewild forces you to kind of throw your full force shots because as soon as you try to like start laying up your shots are flying a little bit differently and they're not hitting those gaps that you're used to hitting so you don't know what gap you're almost hitting at that point no matter how much time you practice when you kind of try to play like the layup game where you you know I just I just want to you know get get a decent birdie look and take an easy par I just want to get a decent birdie look take an easy par you can't do that at Idlewild. You have to play. You have to go for it. Yeah, you have to go for it every shot. And when you get that lead, I think that's what kind of hurt Paul McBeth is he got that lead and he tried to play safe golf and you just can't do it at Idlewild. It's just, it's physically impossible. FPO rounding out the top three with Sarah Holcomb at three over, Missy Gannon at two over, and Paige Pierce at one under. Uh, Want to shout out an honorable mention to... Katrina Allen from shooting hot round on the last day and getting herself up to fourth place. I think hot round for the for the whole tournament, actually. What'd she shoot? I think three under, pretty sure. Yeah, that sounds about right. I know she didn't get us points. That's all I remember. <laughs> Speaking of fire round points, Kyle is leading 49 to 35. Uh, we tied a lot. We tied this week. Friday night and Saturday night, and then Sunday, I think he took one point on me. Hey. Hey. Yeah, we're keeping it pretty competitive with the fire rounds. Yeah, I've been thinking of all kinds of ideas for next year to kind of add in, like, extra chances for bonus points. 
I'm um, into it. Stuff like that, just to kind of make it more exciting. What I want to start doing is doing like a fan version of it too, so we can like put out a poll on our Instagram before the tournament starts and have the people pick. So we can so that we can go against yeah, go against whatever our listeners listen. pick too. Uh-huh. Not a bad idea. I'm about I think it's it. A good idea. So keep an eye on our Instagram story. I might try doing that for the next tournament, which is MVP Open. I think in two weeks. I'm gonna feel so dumb if I'm wrong, but <laughs> keep an eye out for that. Hopefully that's correct. Because I really want to watch MVP Open. Nope. MVP opens the first weekend in September. We're just there. So what's next? Uh, Stafford Open, but it's like a Silver Series. What's the next Elite Series? MVP Open. Oh, okay. So it's just a little break. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yep. Well, maybe I'll put it out for the Silver Series. Uh, that'll be a good tester anyway. Yeah. Let's test it out. See who's going to be there. See who wins. The fans or the idiots. What idiot could Probably be? the fans. Which idiot could win? Three, two, one. Top, Top five. five. Oh, yeah. Today. T- oh, <laughs> you can go. I love how we both try to do it. <laughs> I like pause to see if you're going to do it. And I think you probably did the same thing. I did the same exact thing. <laughs> and then we both just and then we're like, oh, they're not doing it. We better He's say not it. Doing it. So I'm going to go. No, you can go ahead. Today for our top five, we picked our favorite fairway drivers. Eric, kick it off. What's your number five? Also, just a little bit of background. We did top five putters with, who do we do that with? Jeremiah Smith, the lefty cheater. And what episode was that? 28? I think so, yes. 28. So if you missed that, go back and check out our top five putter episode on episode 28. And then last episode, we did the top five get out of jail free discs. Uh, we just and picked we're our favorite. S- yep, we're going to skip mid ranges because obviously we throw one mid range for the most part. <laughs> and it does everything we need it to do. Emac Truth Life. Emac Truth Gang. Yep. We didn't know how to make a list of five Emac Truths. So we skipped right into fairway drivers because that's, uh, that's something. I mean, I could have think- done it though. Both you can of go us with like, like Prime, you can go with Biofusion, Lucid, and then actually, I, you know, Regular we'll Truth. For the EMAC Truth episode two. Yeah, part two. Once we're, once we're sponsored by EMAC Truths somehow. Yeah. Let's get on that dynamic. <laughs> so my fifth favorite fairway driver is the FD2. Feels really good in the hand. It's similar to like a t-bird-ish thing but the main thing i use it for is forehands uh it just has that little bit more of over stability compared to my other fairway drivers that i can kind of crank on it a little bit more and it's really flat and it's got a, like a pretty deep rim so it kind of feels good in that that sling in position it doesn't get a lot of play for me but when i need it it pretty much always works which is a, a good thing to have what's your number five FD2 sounds reliable. Yeah. This one is also extremely reliable. My number five is a Firebird by Innova. In the bag right now, I have a 2020 Sexy Firebird. It's a little bit more domey than the 21s. Uh, I think they made them just slightly flatter this year. 
So it's not like the most overstable thing ever, but it has a nice spike to it. Really utility disc for me. I don't, you know, it's not going to go very far. I'm not doing a ton with it besides just trying to hit a particular point lawn dart style. So, and it works out. And it does. Yeah. It's uh it's a good good utility disc. My number 4 is the Lift by Streamline. I've never really gone out of my way to look for this disc, but it's a disc I picked up in a stack of discs that I bought used from somebody and it is one of my favorite to like throw when I'm just kind of out practicing if it's with me. It has the perfect amount of turn to the right and then just that little bit of fade back. It just can't kick out what kind of fits in the slot now, but it is like one of the discs that when people are asking me for recommendations or if they want to borrow a disc, it's one of the ones that I try to get into people's hands because it is a really sweet disc and Streamline makes a bunch of really pretty plastic. So the lift, it's like Very a nine nice. speed, pretty sure. I think it's like, I think it's like supposed to be like the Streamline's version of the Thunderbird, if I had to guess. Gotcha. So like 9502? Yeah, it's something like that. I think it's negative 1, 2, but I can't remember. So it's actually like exactly like my number 4. The Centurion? Oh, yep. Centurion. Yep. I was looking at Centurion? something else. Centurion? Mm-hmm. Centurion is what I said. Nailed it. Just say it with confidence, Kyle. The Centurion. Centurion? Centurion? <laughs> Whatever. We get it. I have the Andrew Mar... 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 His last name. Marweed. Mar... Damn it. I wanted to say Marl... Like, Marlweed? I don't know why I wanted to say that. (laughs) Marweed. Andrew Marweed. (sighs) Centurion. All right. Nine, five, negative one, two? Pretty sure that's right. I thought it was a seven speed, but... No matter what it is... It's a pretty wonderful hyzer flip disc for me. It doesn't turn over too much. So controllable. And just a tick more understable than my other fairway drivers. Was not like a turnover machine or anything. Correct. Not quite super flippy. Just like a nice controllable amount of flip. My number three was already mentioned by Kyle. I chose the Firebird. It is kind of my forehand main distance driver for forehand just because I can crank on it and mess up my throw a little bit and it still comes back and, and leaves me with a decent decent look at, at the basket that has just the right amount of overstability to I really like like the Anheuser Flex forehand lines. It's probably my favorite to throw. It's just it's perfect for that slot right now. I got the 2021 in the bag. I've never thrown a 2020. You ever throw it backhand? Nope. Maybe once. See, I've like barely ever thrown it forehand. I pretty much only ever throw it backhand. No. Well, I, to be fair, I haven't got the chance to play much other courses other than Cass City. So there's not a whole lot of options for it. The only win maybe is off the top of the hill and I try to like spike it in there. But, you know, like a big big hyzer not like a spike hyzer but a big hyzer and try to like spike it into the dirt there but then i skip like 15 feet long and yeah maybe 
Maybe. Probably. Most likely. But yeah, Firebirds. Everyone loves them. Don't spend a bunch of money buying one from somebody else because they're assholes. Like secondhand market. Yep. Do your research. Look out for when Innova's releasing them. Apparently they release on Twitter when they're going to be releasing more Firebirds for stock price. And Innova just Disc be Store on, it. on Twitter. Yep. That's it. Fuck paying $60 for a disc that's going to be made thousands more this year. My number three is a Roadrunner. This is a disc that is nine, I think, what, four or five, and then negative four? Yep, negative four. Something, yeah. This is a disc, I have a champion version, and I just picked up a star version. Yeah, I found that disc in the water at Freeland. Uh, It was just on the edge. No, No number. Yep. But, yeah, it's been uh, a staple in my bag since I moved to Colorado because, you know, it's not crazy flippy here. It's still, like, very flippy, but I can it's, – uh, it's the disc now where, like, if I want something to turn over and definitely never come back, that's the one I throw. Yeah, makes sense. So, yeah. But I can also, you know, hyzer flip it with, if I only throw it, like, 80%. Any amount of hyzer, it will flip up. So it's it's about the most flippy thing I have in my bag, and I use it a lot when it's not windy. Nice to have. It's necessary to have something that flippy here, mm-hmm. for sure. Faux show. My number two is the CD2, the Control Driver 2 by Discmania. I got lucky. And I got these two very, very, like, overstable versions of the CD2. Uh, They're, like, old. I think they're, like, first or second runs. I've talked about them on the show quite a few times. But I got those and instantly fell in love. And then I found a Roaming Thunder 2 for a good price. And now I want to bag all three of them. Because the S-Line, like, Roaming Thunder version of it is pretty understable. So it's, like, perfect for either like throw it flat and let it turn over and just kind of keep going to the right or like Kyle said about the Roadrunner little hyzer flip and it'll just ride right and then kind of come crashing back where the C-Line versions little hyzer flip like baby hyzer flip and then pretty much just on a rope just flat the whole way and then just crash and they're just I know where they're going every time and that's why they call them the control driver. For sure, but those I, are the I feel discs. like I'm, it's the same way for the with my Roadrunner. Like if I hyzer flip it and just have it go straight, it'll just go finish straight too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good woods disc. CD twos are the reason I can't bag a lift because they're the same numbers, and I am so invested in these CD twos, and they're so pretty, and they're pretty to me because they fly so well. But they're actually like. The two C-Line ones are probably some of the ugliest ones you'll see just because they're old and, like, sun-faded and clear. And they're just, they're amazing discs. Chef's Kiss. Speaking of a Chef's Kiss, that brings me to my number two, the Thunderbird. Old Thundy. Good old Thundy. 9502. Honestly, I'm going to go ahead and say... If I didn't find my number one, this would be my favorite disc overall. 
as a disc. So, pretty big fan of my Thundies. Your Undies? My Undies, my Thundies. <laughs> I have too many Thunderbirds. The big germ birds are really nice and stable. Uh, this year's version, a little bit flatter than last year's, almost in the same kind of way that the Sexton Firebirds are, really. But I, you know, between the five that I have, I pretty much have everything I need in the in that Thunderbird realm. And the G-Star one is my main and anything from about 215 to 315. That's, if I have an open hyzer, that's what I'm throwing. Throwing it into the sky where a bird belongs. Love it. I like to just, like, make the disc do the work, put it nice and flat, and just watch it go straight for the longest time and just have the most reliable fade ever. Ever, you say? A little bit more... Pretty bold statement. Yeah, a little bit more of a uh, gliding flat fade than the firebird is more of, like, the edge of the disc wants to fight to the ground and spike. Yeah. So, a little bit of a different disc, but yeah, I think the the Thundies are perfect. Dig it. We have some honorable mentions before we get into our number one. Kyle, why don't you let the people know? Obviously, we would have an Emac Truth on this list, but it's not technically a fairway driver, but it does fly like one, so we wanted to just mention it real quick. Go buy an Emac Truth. Yep. If we haven't said it enough on the show. Also, I used to bag T-Birds, but now my number one has kind of taken that slot. So I wanted to honorably mention a T-Bird. If you haven't thrown a T-Bird, go throw a T-Bird. They're freaking awesome. But if you have either of these two discs, chances are you don't need to throw a T-Bird. That's actually true. Eric, what's your number one? My number one is the FD from Discmania. Across the varying amounts of plastics and runs, you can get everything you need in your fairway driver slot. If you want to spend the big bucks and get a second run FD, you can have that stable fairway driver that's not quite as stable as like a Firebird, but will always have that dependable finish. Um, If you can pick up like an S-line or a P-line one, you can kind of beat it into that flippy holds the turnover line, or if you need a roller, you can throw it here line. To everywhere in between, the night strikes, all the night strikes are pretty stable for for an FD, so you can kind of have that, again, that reliable finish. But they they have it all, and I'm super excited to see what an FD feels like in Italiano plastic. The fancy new plastic. Hmm? The fancy new plastic. It looks really nice. Like, that red looks really nice. I'm super excited. I dig it, too. Yeah, good number one. I used to throw FDs, too, until I found my number one. Convinced him to give me his FD. Yeah, well, you got me onto my number one, which I'll announce now. Instincts. Hashtag Instinct Gang. Yeah. You actually got me onto the Instinct. Mm Mm-hmm. They're pretty, they're sweet. I liked them for a little while. For me, I can throw them way too far for only being a seven speed. They're extremely controllable, also very wind resistant. The neoplastic beats in really nice, starts off very overstable, and just immediately starts beating in to like, I have one instinct that I can kind of almost hyzer flip, 
And then I have my meta one, which is almost a Thunderbird level of stability. So same kind of thing with the the FDs. Did you say? Meta. Yeah. I missed that part. Sorry. No, you're okay. Uh, Yeah, the meta one is really stable. Oh, yeah. Like, I almost don't need it in my bag because it is almost a Thunderbird. Yeah? Mm-hmm. But I, I have two instincts in my bag. One's max weight. One's only 171. So the 171 is a little bit more flippy. That's my ace run or my ace disc. And, uh, yeah, instinct gang. Never going back. It's, uh, if you need something that's just going to go nice and straight and, uh, really, if if you beat it in, it doesn't have a ton of fade to it. Just a nice straight flying disc. Love it. But I can get it to go much farther than my Thunderbird. It has a lot more glide to it. So nice. Easy distance. Very nice. And that's my number one. And that is our And that's our top, top five. <laughs> five of favorite fairway drivers. Our top five favorite fairway drivers. Let us know what fits into your guys' fairway driver slot. We want to hear it. Do you throw an Explorer? Do you throw an Essence? There's a lot of different brands. There's so much out there. And I would say the fairway drivers for us are the ones that probably we test out or mess with the most just to see if there's those ones that we just we just need, you know? True story. There's a lot of fairway drivers that we've tried. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Let us know. Let us know which ones we should try out next. Let us know which ones we shouldn't try out. Yeah, is there a disc that you hated? Mm-hmm. And if you say the Amac Truth, you're blocked. Right, we're just not even going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to get 100 Emac Truth responses. <laughs> just, to, just to be jerks. Yep. Today, we talked about the future of disc golf, Idlewild, and... Our top five favorite fairway drivers. If you didn't get enough of us this week, head on over to all of our social media pages. We have an Instagram, a Facebook, a Twitter, a TikTok, a YouTube, and a Patreon. Shout out to our wonderful members and everybody who follows us on all of the social medias. Also, if you want to check out any of our merch, you can head on over to our Teespring store. It's teespring.com slash stores slash oh no disc golf. Use the code oh no for free shipping. If you're in the market to buy a new disc, maybe one of the fairway drivers we talked about, head on over to starframediscs.com and use the code oh no for 5% off. That's starframediscs.com. That's code O-N-O, O-H-N-O. Yes. Well, that was episode 30. Thank you guys for joining us. As always, Kyle has a message. As always, if you made it to this point in the episode, you are my absolute favorite. Thank you specifically for listening. As always, if you're on a boat, on a train, on a plane, in a car, diving to the bottom of the ocean, wherever you are, thank you for listening. Thank you. And Eric, that's episode 30. Catch us every single Wednesday for a new episode. As always, this is the Ono Disc Golf Podcast with Eric and Kyle. See you guys next week. And I'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>